podcaster passionate about empowering youth to raise their voices and tell their stories. On Global Youth Matters, they tell their stories in their own voices on their own terms. They have faced life challenges, social, emotional, health, physical, economic, political, and more. They've gone through rough times and have come out on the other side. Get ready because they'll blow your mind. I'm going to let them talk because their voices matter on Global Youth Matters. Hi, Kasia. I'm very excited to have you here today. And I wanted to just like, if you could start off and tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, Hannah. I'm very excited to be a guest on your podcast. My name is Kasia. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. My schooling background is a little bit unique. I attended two universities, one in the U.S. and one in the U.K., and graduated from both of them. So those schools were uh, College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, and University of St. Andrews in St. Andrews, Scotland. And I studied international relations, so I thought that that kind of dual international experience would really suit what I was interested in. So that makes sense. So you started in William and Mary, and then as part of that, that was the decision to go to St. Andrews is related to... Yeah, I, I signed up for the whole thing. It was actually the first year they ever offered it. So there was nobody you could talk to, to be like, yeah, I did it. And it really worked, even though I was like jumping across the pond to achieve one degree. So we were the guinea pigs, but it ended up being a really awesome experience. And it really laid the groundwork for a lot of what I ended up doing later, because you have to kind of be a pioneer. I mean, you had to advocate for yourself with the professors because they didn't know what you didn't know. And it was a different UK and the US, right? People say same country separated by a common language. But <laughs> you you had to figure out your own way of, of swimming when being dropped into the pool. So that's very interesting. And also, you must have had somewhat of an adventurous spirit to actually take you to another country program that's just starting. So tell me a little bit about, you know, it leads me into my next question. What excites you? Well, yeah, what you said, adventure excites me. And I think there's a lot of ways to go on an adventure. And like previously, prior to the pandemic, I was doing a lot of traveling. And so what would excite me is just going into a place that I had never been before, where I probably didn't know anyone or maybe one or two people and just finding my way and figuring out the money, figuring out the food, figuring out, uh, am I going to get an apartment? You know, like I, when I was 19, I went to Shanghai for the summer in a apartment that I found on basically like a Chinese Craigslist. And I just showed up and I was like, well, I hadn't paid her anything. She's just like, yeah, look, if you come, I'll be here. I'll let you in. And I had, to, I was like, okay, well, I hope that works out. Cause otherwise I don't have anywhere to live. But more recently I've been kind of a little more homebound. So I think the adventures that I've been going on have been in what I'm reading or writing. And so what excites me is books or creativity. There's always a way to explore, no matter if you have a passport or not, you can always go on an adventure. That takes an extreme amount of courage to show up in China without a place to stay. (laughs) So I see that you have a, I mean, I wonder where that comes from that really Wow, that's very bold, right? And courageous. So that's also adventurous and bold and courageous in lots of ways. Yeah. 
did that boldness always exist? Is that part of your personality or is that something? I have no idea. I, it kind of just, it felt like there was just no other way. Like you just get that call. Like I, I think I, I found a, a job through my school to go work for a kind of consulting firm that advised different English speaking companies about foreign investment in Asia. And I was going to write articles for them about, I just had to go on different government websites and find a reason that it's a great time to invest in China. Didn't matter what, what was going on. I just like the end result always had to be great time to invest in China. Put your money in now. So it was a little bit of a propaganda mission and I just wanted to go over there. So it, it was really last minute. I had to get the I had to get a speedy visa. The company lied on my application letter in order to get me the visa. They said that I was fluent in Chinese and that I was a really important business person that I'd be traveling all over the country. In reality, I was just a student and I was just an intern. But that's what you had to do in order to navigate the immigration system, right? And so that was a big lesson as to the way the world works. <laughs> so I heard that you use the word calling, like you're just called to do those things. That's a big word. Mm -hmm. So you have that sort of, what does that mean to you? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I guess I just use the, that like Joseph Campbell archetypal thing of like, I've write stories and I've read a lot about how to think about stories. So I don't know if that comes from me or if that's something that I've absorbed after the fact, but that resonates with me. Like, I don't feel like I have a choice. Like I just want to do this and I have to do it. When an idea strikes, you have to pursue it. It's just a law of nature. <laughs> that's pretty impressive because I think a lot of us have ideas, but then we just throw them away. So to have that sort of self-knowledge and capacity to act on things is actually a very impressive quality, you know, especially at a young age. <laughs> so, you know, I was very lucky to look at your podcast. So I'd love you to talk about that. And I mean, they're so, I mean, I would say you're very talented in writing, speaking is so obvious and creative and your adventurous spirit comes out there. And it would be great if you, you talk a little bit about maybe where the podcast came from and maybe some of the places you've visited. So that would be great to hear from you on that. Yeah. So the podcast, the title of it is Have We Met Before? And the tagline is Stories of People I Can't Forget. And where it came from is kind of all of these characters that I had in my mind from places that I've traveled over the last 10 or so years. So it's a very diverse array of people. And I really, there's like about nine episodes right now and I'm just getting started. And uh, once you start writing the episodes, more characters occur to me. You start realizing, wow, everyone is actually fascinating and everyone deserves their own, their own episode. But that, like, I really, when I would think about the places that I've been, what would always come back to me wasn't the place itself, but the characters I would, when I was brainstorming ideas, I would just write their, write their names down, like window four, the other names I've changed to protect the innocent, but like, <laughs> I just wanted to memorialize them. And there was something so important to me, even though I was living this sort of transient existence, jumping from place to place, I wasn't having like long-term meaningful relationships with a lot of people, but the short-term relationships that I was able to have seemed really important 
in a way that spoke to something like wider about the world that we live in right now. And so as I go through the podcast, I feel like I'm working on these themes and I've been really blessed to meet people who just all seem to talk to each other and have different things to give and to learn and to just be able to splay them all out for people has been uh, really creatively rewarding because I've previously only thought about writing as something that happens on the page, not something that can play in somebody's ears. I can just send anybody a link and they can listen to the podcast and hear the story. And that's so exciting to me because I had previously only thought about, you know, books as something like that a certain kind of person did. <laughs> like there's girls that have books on their nightstand or whatever. You might take one on vacation or to the beach, but it's not a huge part of the majority of people's lives. And the podcast is really something that allows you to speak to everybody it's populist, even though that's kind of a dirty word these days. So <laughs> it's I'm just really like so excited to work on it. I was scared to to go down that road and to uh, basically make myself a broadcaster. <laughs> uh, it'd been a long time since I did any kind of acting or, or anything. I just thought of myself more as a library person, but uh, it's shown different sides of my personality. So I'd be really eager for anybody to listen to it. Yeah, I think what's amazing if anyone listens to your podcast is your insight in people. It's really quite interesting, you know, and maybe that your your crafty way of writing and sort of coming out, it just comes out beautifully when it's that, you know, so I, yeah, I encourage everyone to listen to you. So I imagine you're like taking this artistic path and then I heard some kind of business path and all these different paths, right? Uh, international, <laughs> so political. True. And so I imagine that there is, or maybe some challenges along the way, because that's not always the easiest path for people to take, right? In this world, like just kind of following, mm. you know, the Joseph Campbell way, like you said. Sure. And then how are there some sort of challenges that you went through that sort of define who you are and maybe that path or challenges you'd like to share with us? Absolutely. So you're right. An artistic path is not practical for most for most people or for anybody. It's very hard to make a solid living, even if you can scrape by making enough money to just purely be a creative. You probably you know won't be able to set aside money for retirement or have a family or give back to your community or do do things like that. So I have struggled, I think, to balance like how to live in the world, how to have a, a full-time job and have a career and also maintain a, like a thriving creative spirit that isn't just something that I'm doing on the side and I'm not really growing and nour nourishing because that takes time and energy. And a, you know, a normal job, a square job takes a lot of, a lot of energy out of you. So for I took a big break in my conventional work life in order to travel and to write. And my goal at that time was like, I'm writing a book. And I actually ended up writing what is basically three books. And one of them, I kind of got into tip top shape and started shopping it around to literary agents. And I just wasn't able to find an agent that wanted to represent it. People who were interested in the book 
were interested in it in a particular like political lens, which wasn't really what I wanted to be as a writer. And even more importantly than that kind of disappointment was I wasn't satisfied by the book. Like <laughs> I had written smaller stories and, and things before where when I finished it, I felt this like amazing exorcism. Like I had some demon inside of me and then it was out and it just felt so good. And I didn't feel that way. <laughs> and I totally, like, I was shocked by that because I was like, it's a book. I wrote 80,000 words. How could it not be satisfying? But it wasn't. So the podcast that I'm doing now is actually really like a pivot to repurpose a lot of that material and re-envision it in a way that speaks more to the world now and to the way story people are consuming stories today and also gives me the opportunity to really expand my creativity because week to week I'm getting new ideas and I'm constantly incorporating them into the scripts and I'm able to get feedback from people and see what what aspects they like what aspects they don't like and of course, I, I filter criticism. Sometimes you get feedback. You're like, yeah, that's a great note. And sometimes you're like, you don't get me at all. You're not helping. I'm going to ignore that. But this, although it's totally a diversion from my original goal, and the original goal in some way was a failure, it actually has led me to a place where I'm a lot more fulfilled. So I think that's a victory. <laughs> that is a victory. Well, there, I have two questions. One, the first one is, how did you, like you process and you just keep moving? You process this as, okay, I'm not satisfied. I spent all this time. How did you get through that? Those, like what pushed you to get, or was that just an easy kind of thing to, okay, this didn't work. Let me try podcasting into a different way. Or what was that process? Yeah. It, I don't think initially I was like, I would get the email like, sorry, we're, we're not interested in moving forward with your work. And I was like, I will make a podcast. Like it wasn't, wasn't that quick. I, at first I just didn't really deal with it. And I kind of just like productive procrastination. I'm able to find other things to focus on for a while to sort of like buffer the hurt. But I do have, and part of this goes back to that adventurous spirit. It's just like, I have a compulsive need to move on. Like, that didn't work. Okay, next chapter. Like we're just we're moving forward now. And that's a really good way to approach life is just approach any obstacle as an opportunity to prove that you will not be defeated. So it took a little bit a while for all this to gel in my mind. But the format of have we met before being centered around other people as opposed to being centered on like one particular narrator is actually a much more um, suitable to the themes that I'm trying to get across, which is like this global perspective, like a, a panorama as opposed to a single individual. So that obstacle just got folded in to the delicious cake that I hope I'm baking. <laughs> really something very important related to sort of resilience, right? That capacity to keep going. And I wonder if, you know, which is very important and not everybody has that capacity, right? Is this something that you, I mean, I don't know if it's related to anything in childhood or anything that 
it was just built along the way or something, or you can't connect it with anything. I wonder about that. Hmm. Um, I really don't know. I, I guess if I did like some psychoanalysis, maybe I'd be able to figure it out. I do think that my dad is a is a good role model. Like he has always found ways to continue being creative in spite of having to, you know, work a job and support me <laughs> and pay a mortgage. So part of it is like having a model, but otherwise like I don't know a lot of like none of my friends, they all became like doctors and spies like they (laughs) they are not like creative people so it's part partly you're born with it partly have it modeled with you I also just feel like I have no choice it's like what choice do I have but to move forward and I could just I could choose my the way that I respond to events and I create the world in my response right it's like I could choose to to pity myself or I could pick myself up and be a hero and like it only exists in my mind. So I may as well, like other people may be pointing and laughing, but like, Hey, I feel good. So <laughs> at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's a, all that also another big lesson, which is just not really, well, one, having role models around you, looking at people that you would like to be like, absolutely, which, you know, we were, we're, we're looking at you right now as a role model. And then also just kind of being okay with people, whatever they say, you know, that's also a big thing, I think, is to be okay if people laugh or whatever, not really caring so much about what people think. So if you were to tell somebody else like you with these creative sides of themselves, or people like you, what would you advise them, another young person like you? One of the great pieces of advice that I stole from a John Waters commencement speech (laughs) was... A no is free, which is basically just ask for everything you want. And there's no loss there. Like, I think a lot of people think that if they ask for something, that they're losing capital if the answer is no. But in reality, you just have nothing to lose. And you should really just shoot for everything and ask for everything. And one example of this is um, I recently had a job interview for... um, a position at a newspaper and I'd never worked at a newspaper before, although I have a journalistic background and there were two jobs. There was a full-time job and a part-time job. And even in the, um, the interview, the hiring manager was, was kind of like buttering me up for the part-time job. And he's like, Oh, well see, we have this like copy chief in Arizona. He's really experienced and he's going to be the full-time and we'll have you in maybe like two, three days a week. And I was like, well, why can't I have the full-time job? Why can't I be considered for the full-time job? And he was like, oh, oh, well, you can, you can. You're a strong candidate. You're a strong candidate. And I ended up getting the full-time job. And my boss, who was that the guy in that interview, told me later that a big reason that he felt he had confidence in me in order to take on the role, despite my lack of direct experience, was was because I had the nerve to just like look him in the eye and be like, well, why not? Why not me? Like, why can't you pick? Why can't you consider me? So other people, the way they see you says something about them, not necessarily about you. And they will take their cues on how to treat you based on how you let yourself be treated. So if you walk into a room and somebody's kind of putting you down, you can't 
take that, right? You have to say like, no, actually, I define my own limits. I think I'd be good at this. And people will usually respond, not always, but people will usually respond in a generous way. And you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish if you take this, this attitude. It's very, very useful for everyone, right? So is there, I mean, and that's great. I think that asking for what you want and always trying, right? And letting yourself define yourself are very important sort of guides for people. And I, I wanted to ask you, is there any other experience that you had in all your travels or anything else that, I don't know, have been valuable and also shaping who you are? Yes. I was kind of thinking about this a little bit, and this is kind of a weird way into it, but I remember that the former prime minister of the UK, Theresa May, gave a speech not that long after the Brexit vote, which was also timed similarly to the Trump election. And she gave this speech, which a lot of people on the more liberal side of the aisle really like recoiled at and were freaked out by. And there was a quote in there where she said, if you think you're a citizen of the world, you're a citizen of nowhere. And that kind of hit me because I studied international relations, right? And like I had my past, I was like, yeah, I got my UK visa. I felt so glamorous moving through the Paris airport. Oh, I'm going to China. A lot of people would think of being a citizen of the world as a really good thing. But the reality is the only people who get to be citizens of the world are people with strong, powerful citizenships. That's not true for a lot of people out there. And like when I went to Lebanon, I made friends with a Syrian refugee. And I'm like, you know, his uh, passport, his Syrian passport was taken by the Lebanese military and he would like go to a building and they'd be like yeah we'll give you your passport back in another month come back in another month and he'd go back in a month they'd be like two months we'll bring we'll give you your passport back in two months and of course it's totally illegal to take somebody's passport but it's a way to basically limit people control their movement make sure they're not going anywhere they don't want them to go and that story has a happy ending because he actually was able to come to America and he's now living in Dearborn. So uh, good for him. But <laughs> you being a citizen of the world is a, is a nice idea. There's a lot of positive sides to that. There's also a certain arrogance to it, right? Because when you go to another country, you're a guest <laughs> in that country, and nationalism has a lot of has a lot of negatives and the nation state is in many ways like a newfangled idea that that had a beginning and it has an ending but it's still the only game in town and i think that people like me who have traveled a lot and um who have had a lot of opportunities to see the world should keep their own limitations in mind and not just treat the world as like a buffet table that they get to explore because that's not actually globalism. That's not actually cosmopolitanism. That's really not the world. That's just your world, which is a very narrow, although it may be far flung, it's still a very narrow life. So that's been a, a big lesson from the more international side of things. That's a really good one over on this side of the world in the US, right? Oftentimes we take, mm -hmm. take that for granted. So, and then if there's any other 
life lesson. I know we've talked about so many <laughs> that you would like to share. Uh, <laughs> please feel free to do that. And if you feel like you've covered everything. That's... There's one I thought of, there's a line from my podcast in the Hussein episode, which is about going to a Hezbollah museum in South Lebanon. And the line is, life is only first draft quality. I have to remember that life is only first draft quality. And it comes after the narrator has been told in a book that a taxi fare to Melita is going to cost a certain amount. And the taxi guy's like, no, it's, you got to pay me more. And that in many ways speaks to the whole story of the podcast because it came out as a book. And then I took that draft essentially and recrafted it and made it a podcast and I was really proud recently when I went to a friend of mine, a friend of mine's apartment, and he's got a bunch of chalkboards up on his wall where he, because he's a scientist engineer and he's always doing like crazy graphs and systems and math up there. And he wrote that quote down on the chalkboard. And, you know, this is, he's a scientist, self, self-professed, you know, not interested in the arts not not an artsy guy at all and he had listened to my podcast and taken note of that quote and I was like you know that really speaks to this whole journey that I've been on which is that if I had written a book he never would have read it <laughs> but because it's a podcast and it's 20 minutes and you can listen to it at the gym or in the car it's it's speaking to so many more people than I had originally envisioned and even though there were bumps in the road life is only first draft quality so you should embrace that I love that. I think that's amazing. And it makes you also not feel afraid, right? Yeah, there's nothing to fear because <laughs> you just accept. Yeah. So I, I mean, that was great. And I really, there's one other thing which I know it's, I just wanted to talk about. I know you speak a million languages, right? That's what I got from the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I speak several languages uh, to a middling to poor level. Um, <laughs> I Spanish is the one that I have the strongest background in because I was in Spanish immersion as a kid. But I've been so excited. I get really, I'm promiscuous with languages and I want to like settle down and be an honest woman and like master one at some point. But every time I would travel, I would be so enamored with the language. I will never forget like boarding a plane in the Doha airport and hearing people speak Arabic. And I was like, wait, this is Arabic? Because like, <laughs> this is a beautiful language. And it was, it's a plane to, to Beirut. So that like Lebanese Levantine dialect, it's very like light and poetic. And um, I remember just being stunned by it because I was like, you know, I, I don't hear Arabic unless it's like in a movie and somebody's screaming or it's a joke or it's scary. And I'm just hearing p normal people talk. And it's the most beautiful language I've ever heard. And so I started taking night classes when I was in Lebanon and it's so poetic, you know, like the way, even the way you say good morning, you could just say a flowering morning, you know, beautiful morning. <laughs> so yeah, I think that if you can learn a little bit of a language, it, it sheds so much light onto the place that you are. It's not just something to enter into Google that can be easily, translated between it's not another, a different shade of a t-shirt you can buy it's a t it's a world unto itself that exists only within the confines of that language yeah so I think this has been great so many interesting things and artistic things 
and sort of you're you know we learned a lot about your adventurous spirits and lots of life lessons I think that will be very valuable to other people like you and to everybody no thank you so much for having me thank you for being on the show This is the Global Youth Matters Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe or follow us at Apple Podcast or your favorite pod platform. We would really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review, especially on Apple. This helps us build an audience. Finally, we want to hear from you. You can reach us by email at globalyouthmatters at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.